welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for March 22. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. John chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of the world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was merely referring to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, 
if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The subject of death is not something we usually discuss. It's too personal and confronting. Yet it's the ultimate reality we all face. It's why literature, film and philosophy so often dwell on the themes of our mortality but it's rare that anyone claims they can do anything about it. Death is assumed to be the inevitable end for everyone. In John chapter 10, we learn that life had been heating up for Jesus in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders had attempted to stone him for his apparent blasphemy. So Jesus had left the city for the region east of the Jordan River. There he learned that his friend Lazarus, brother of Martha and Mary, was dying in the village of Bethany near Jerusalem. Then learning that Lazarus had died, and against the advice of his disciples who feared the Jewish leaders, Jesus returned to Bethany, where he was first met by Martha. In the course of their conversation where she said to Jesus that if he had come sooner, her brother would not have died, he made an amazing assertion. I am the resurrection and the life, he said. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. His words truly are astonishing. For in saying, I am the resurrection and the life, he wasn't simply saying, I promise resurrection and life. Nor was he saying, I procure or I bring. But I am the resurrection and the life. Furthermore, in saying, I am, he uses the very words God used when he disclosed his name to Moses. Unless Jesus is equal with God, his words are nothing short of blasphemy. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Do you believe this? he asked Martha. John records that Jesus then met Martha's sister, Mary. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Once again, Jesus was rebuked for not having come sooner. But unlike Martha, Mary allows her grief to flow. And John tells us then that Martha and Mary weren't the only ones to grieve. Jesus wept. These words constitute the shortest verse in the Bible. How poignant, how stark it is. The word wept that John uses speaks of a deep anguish cry of grief. It's the cry of heartfelt loss, the kind of grief that explodes from the depths of our inner being. Why did Jesus react this way? He didn't weep like this when the news came that Jairus' daughter had died. Certainly Lazarus was a close friend, but Jesus knew he was going to pull him out of the tomb. Jesus wept. I suggest he was grieving for our human plight. For no matter how successful we are, how good and compassionate we are, death awaits us all. Men and women created in God's image are now broken images, and broken images cannot endure the pure light of God's perfection and glory. Jesus was grieving for what we as men and women had lost. As in Adam all die, Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. At Lazarus' death, Jesus felt the full impact of death and wept. But there's a sense in which he grieved for what our loss would mean for him. It would mean that he himself would have to die. Only through his death could he conquer death and raise to life anyone who turns to him and believes in him. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Could this be true? The witness of Jesus' own resurrection, the New Testament, the evidence of history, the existence of the Christian church, point to the conclusion that Jesus' words were the truth. Apart from Jesus Christ, we have no certainty about the future. And if there is a future life, how can we be assured that we are good enough to achieve it? Most people are aware of their failures. Failures we don't want to talk about, let alone tell anyone about. It's one of the reasons John Newton's amazing grace is so well known, for it speaks to our sense of lostness, our need to be rescued, and our hope for the future. Well, John's record doesn't stop with Jesus' words to Martha and Mary. Jesus went to the tomb and asked that the stone be rolled away. We can only imagine the scene, a graveyard, a cave in a hillside filled with bodies and bones of the dead, the stench of rotting bodies as the gravestone was rolled aside. And then, standing at the entrance of the tomb, Jesus called, Lazarus, come out. For a moment, everyone must have thought he was mad. But then, a sight to behold emerged. Still in his grave clothes, Lazarus appeared. Voices around us today insist that because we now know the laws of nature, we can be assured that miracles like this can't happen. To which Dr. John Lennox, 
Emeritus Professor of Mathematics and Philosophy at Oxford University, responds, The laws of nature that science observes are the observable regularities that God, the Creator, has built into the universe. However, such laws don't prevent God from intervening if He chooses. When He does, we are able to identify the irregularity and speak of it as a miracle. Men and women have come a long way in understanding and harnessing quantum chemistry, physics and medicine, but nothing compares with the naked power that Jesus wielded at that moment. The scene is a picture of time yet to come, when Jesus will once again appear on the stage of the world events. On that day he'll cry out in a loud voice, Come forth, and all the dead from throughout time will rise. The question Jesus had asked Martha that day was, Do you believe this? Let me ask, Can you say with Martha, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Death is not the end of our story. Rather, for all who turn to Jesus and believe in him, death opens the door to a new beginning and to a life everlasting. So let me pray. We beseech you, Almighty God, to look in mercy on your people, so that by your great goodness we may be governed and preserved evermore. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in this week's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.